We're looking now in this session to look at the book at 1 Peter 2, 18-20. An address to servants which are really slaves. Servants sometimes is softer and we don't have the impression that we ought to have. Slaves had no rights whatsoever. They were owned by their masters. It was a empire-wide evil institution that treated people as dirt, and they were often brutally treated, as we're going to see in this. And the New Testament does not engage in a frontal attack on slavery, but a very powerful undermining of the roots of slavery, as we'll see in this paragraph right here, as well as elsewhere. So, Father, as we tackle some of Peter's words to slaves here, grant that we would understand what he meant and how they were to live radically supernatural lives, which have huge, which has huge implications for us, to teach us as we ponder how slaves were to live. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust, for this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. So be subject to the unjust masters, and when you suffer unjustly, be mindful of God, endure it with sorrows. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good, and you suffer for it, again, this is a gracious thing, a beautiful thing in the sight of God. So that's the overall message. And it's something like do good in spite of being treated unjustly with your consciousness on God not on this master, because he does not have the final say in your life. God does. Now, this is, this is the message of 1 Peter throughout. Here's 4.19. Therefore, let those who suffer, just like those slaves, this is to all of us, according to God's will, entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So just like the slaves were told to do good and suffer, we're all told to do good and suffer. Or here it is again. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, 3.9. But on the contrary, bless. That is, do good to people. Bless them. For to this you were called, that you may inherit a blessing. So here we are being treated with evil, being treated with reviling, And instead of firing back, we're supposed to bless or do good. That's the message of 1 Peter over and over. So here it's being applied to slaves. So what I want to do, just briefly in this session, then we'll look at this paragraph again, is ask when these slaves are told to subject themselves, to submit to their masters. What is uniquely Christian about that? And I see at least three things. We may have time for one of them in this session. Be subject to your masters 
Now, we should at this point remember that in the preceding paragraph, it said, be subject, this is to every Christian, be subject, 2.13, for the Lord's sake to every human institution. So that's the big general statement of this whole unit from 2.13 down to about 3.7. And he's going to deal with citizens, slaves, wives, husbands, everybody. So keep in mind, I mean, one of the principles of interpretation that's so obvious is when a general statement is made, be subject to every human institution, and it's to be done for the Lord's sake, then when you take up the, instant, the specific instances, like slaves, here's a new institution for you to consider, namely, your masters. So I would put for the Lord's sake, because that's already been said as an overarching statement about all of the relationships to the institutions. For the Lord's sake. Which means this master here is not the ultimate master. This Lord is the ultimate master. And it's for his sake that we are being subject. In other words, this radically relativizes the absoluteness of the authority of this master. Or here's another clue that would apply also to the slaves. So this is verse 16, which is two verses before the verse we're looking at in the 18. Live as people who are free. So I'm going to say, live as slaves. This is Christians. Live as Christians who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as servants of God, who now, calling us to submission, is for his own sake, sending us back into the institution, sending these slaves in the institution as, as freedmen of the Lord. So, where else does it talk about slaves that way? Just to get a flavor for how, how Paul said the same thing, look at this unit or text, 1 Corinthians 7, 21 to 24. Were you a slave when you were called, that he's called to be a Christian, called out of darkness? Don't be concerned about it. You've got way bigger and glorious things to live for than whether you're a slave or not a slave or whatever role you're in. There are bigger issues than to show that he doesn't idealize this role of slavery. He says, but if you can gain your freedom, avail yourselves of the opportunity. But here's the big issue. For he who was called in the Lord as a slave is a freedman of the Lord. Okay? Likewise, he who is free, if you weren't a slave and you were called, you're a slave of Christ because you were bought with a price. So, if you're a Christian slave, be subject to your masters for the Lord's sake in the sense that you've been bought free by Christ and this master on earth is not your ultimate master. Christ is your ultimate master, and you are a free man. And the reason you are submitting to this master is not because of this master and his authority and his threats and his power, but rather you are submitting because of this master's authority and his 
power. You are a free man. In other words, radical changes come into the dynamic of how the slave thinks about this master. So that's the first clue that this subjection here is not your ordinary slave subjection. It is a radically Christian kind of subjection which doesn't elevate this master above God, but the God of the Christians above the masters. We'll see more next time.